from heaven there for you. It's great to have problems with the sound system this morning. It's great to be here. And uh, this morning is, a, a, I think, a, a very exciting start in the life of our church. We're launching uh, with our first group, the Growth Track, which I have a little manual here. Um, so you'll, everyone in the church will have an opportunity to do the course. We're going to start today with a group of about 12 people. So I'm excited. You can take your seats. I'm excited for what, um, what God wants to do in, in our church. So it's a, um, this is just a tool that we want to use to uh, connect ourselves better to each other and the purpose that God has for us. But before we do that, uh, we've got a, a, a sad occasion today, and that is that uh, Carlos is, is leaving us. Um, and today is his last Sunday. So, Carlos, you hear that? Everyone do that again. Oh, that, <laughs> hope that, so, Carlos, would you, you just come up here and um, we'd like to pray with you this morning. So, can I get uh, Pastor Michael and uh, who else is on the ministry team in here? Pastor Kylie. Um, and all the rest of the ministry team is probably out doing other jobs, which is good. But I just want to um, commend Carlos as uh, a really great young man who, uh, I, I guess, discovered God in a new way uh, in this church probably about four years ago. And right from the start, he got recruited in by Pastor Kylie to get involved with Kids Church. He's, he's done Kids Church. Uh, he, he actually does Kids Church, youth, he preaches. Uh, he does multimedia, he's uh, set up all the lighting and all this sort of stuff. Uh, he's a computer guru, he, he does everything. He's a one-man church uh, with glasses. So, um, but he's, he's, been, um, he's been an inspiration to, to myself, uh, just watching him discover God. He did Bible college here with us, and, and I believe that, Carlos, uh, God's going to use all those lessons that you've learnt here at One Heart Church to do something bigger in the world that's beyond us, and then come back. Uh, there's a prophecy, uh, yeah, but uh, it, it has, it, you know, there's certain people in your life that you think, wow, they're just so good to have around you, they, they uphold you, they lift you up, and I, I can tell you, whenever Carlos is around, I could preach an ordinary message and Carlos will go, wow, that was, a, that was great preaching today, and I just think, oh, good, someone listen, uh, but uh, that, that's the thing, having, having people like a Carlos in your world just bring encouragement, bring um, uh, bring bring uh, an element of life to you. So he's done that in, in lots of areas. It's been great watching the, the kids in kids' church um, jumping all over him and, and, and uh, being their friend and all that sort of stuff. So that, that, there's their qualities that we want to um, just celebrate that Carlos has. So we're just going to pray a blessing on, on him as he leaves us. And uh, we just hope that, um, Carlos, you, you don't stop your progress from this point, but you just go from... Uh, what God's had you doing here to being a blessing in the next church that you're at and uh, we'll build them later. So let's lay hands on Carlos. Just reach your hands out to him and um, just believe together that God will launch him into something uh, really amazing. So dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Carlos. We thank you that we've had this season with him in, in this church. And Lord, we just pray your blessing, your goodness and your favour. Um, wherever he goes, doors will open, that opportunities to continue to serve you will, will be before him. And Lord, I just pray that he may be, bring encouragement and hope and life to all those that he goes to. So we just thank you for this time we've had. We thank you for the blessing that he's been. And we just pray, Lord, that you go with him and protect him and bless him 
all the days of his life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just have a little presentation. It's a one heart uh, memory pack full, <laughs> full of one heart uh, goodies for you. So um, there's a t-shirt you'll wear with pride. And uh, a lot of people will be asking where you can get one. And you'll say you have the only one in the world. So God bless you, Carlos. Fantastic. Very awesome. No worries. Thanks. <clears throat> Now, get back out in the kids' church. <laughs> and it is good to see Sam and Sheree here with us this morning. Great to have you. This is your first time back since you're married? Yeah, good. Great to have you with us. And also Roxanne, too. How She's had long service leave for 11 weeks. So, uh, I want to speak on... on, on um, End days, part two. Who was here last Sunday night? We did. Uh, we we looked at the end days, part one. So if you want to catch up on that, you can get it on the uh, podcast. You can listen to that message. Last week we looked at, um, uh, you know, I guess predominantly the um, return of Jesus Christ, and it's something that I guess has gone out of fashion in church because we like to talk about lifestyle things and how we can uh, grow ourselves better and be stronger as a believer. Um, but the whole point that we want to do all those things is because we live with the hope that Jesus Christ is coming back to take the church, which is us. And that's what we need to uh, always be referencing our life by that moment. So that was last week. But um, uh, the subject of end times uh, prophecy has both an element of mystery, but there's also a great deal of clarity. And, and I think we need to realize that the things that are clear are clear. But I know because we're human beings, we love to sort of go, what does that really mean? So you know when you, when you have a contract, you might read a contract and think, well, I know what that, what that means, but someone else will read it from the other side and say, no, no, that's not what it means. I still own the, I still own the tractors and the pumps and all that from the farm that you just bought. But, but you think, but I thought it said in the contract that they would now belong to me. And so when we, when we read a contract, uh, we can have confusion in that. And sometimes when we see things in the Word of God, there can be an element of, of mystery or the unknown. But what we need to realize is Jesus has given us enough clarity about these days that we just need to interpret them correctly. And I'm not saying I'm an expert on this or that I have the uh, uh, the. the the latest information about what this all means. But hopefully as we go through this morning, we will look at um, uh, some things and hopefully they'll become clearer. So the Bible uh, is not quite, um, silent on the subject. Jesus spoke what it will be like in the last days, um, the last days of earth as we know it at the end times. Jesus also promised the church that just as he left, he'll return. And I remember last Sunday, I've thought about it this week. Um, it's, it talked about the disciples when Jesus left them. Um, they're standing there watching Jesus as he disappears into the sky. Um, and and he, 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 they, it says they were straining their eyes. And you've got you to think, like, if your very best friend, the person who's just put the most value into your life, who's poured themselves into you and you've, you've, you've discovered things about yourself you've never discovered before, so you think about that person, whoever that is, and then suddenly they take you out to, out, out to a hillside somewhere and, then, and they say, you know, give you one last hug, and then they float away. And it says that they're straining to see him, and I think they, they would have stayed there 
for something until two angels appeared and said, um, Jesus is God. It's final. He's not coming back right now, but he's going to return just as you've seen him go. He's going to come back. So that was the promise that, that God gave through the angels to, to us. So things that, about end days subjects are the rapture. We, we covered that last week. The mark of the beast. I need to have some sound effects. When, when we say the word beast, it goes... I need to be on my production team a bit better. But uh, the, the rapture, the mark of the beast, the, the tribulation, uh, a, a single world government, um, the signs which are, um, are behind the mystery of, of the end times. Um, but Jesus wants the church to understand and be ready. That's the most important thing that you just need to figure out and remember when you think of end times, you don't need to worry about all the final details of who's who is the beast and what is it going to look like and, and what's his single world government going to be uh, and what's the mark of the beast. We're, we're going to look at those just briefly today because we can only ever skim over the top of some of these deep things that really I don't think we, we have the full understanding of, not in this life. So, um, so we're only going to skim over the top, but Jesus has given us enough to know what is happening if we're willing to see and look at what's happening around us. So if you have your Bibles with you, Matthew 24 Verse 27, Jesus said this, For as the lightning flashes to the east and to the west and shines uh, uh, in the east and shines to the west, so it will, be, it will be when the Son of Man comes. When Jesus returns, it won't be hidden or in a corner. People all around the world would know but many will choose not to believe. So this moment of rapture, in which we call it, will take place and the church will be gathered up to be with God through Jesus and yet there'll be people left on the earth who'll harden their hearts and continue not to believe. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, speaking about these days that I believe we are living in right now, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So this is a positive fulfillment of prophecy of the times in which we live, that the Holy Spirit will be upon us like no other generation has ever known. So no other generation has ever had the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God wants to do in these times. So wherever we may be in God's timeline, I want you to be aware that Jesus wants to pour into your being the Holy Spirit as prophesied for these days. So we shouldn't live in fear, shouldn't live wondering, well, what is it going to look like? What's going to happen next? Um, are we going to be, are we going to be uh, tortured for our faith or whatever? I don't know what that is going to look like for every individual here, but what we do know, because it's a promise from God, in the last days, God is wanting to pour out his spirit upon all people and you today need to be saying, well, God, I want to be a, a vessel that's ready for your spirit to flow and move through me. That's the best end time uh, experience that I think we need to look forward to and we need to live in every day. I've just come back from uh, a conference in Adelaide that was called the Holy Spirit Conference and it was just great to be in that presence uh, all, you know, nearly all week, just uh, worshipping God and, and um, uh, 
getting ministered to uh, by the Holy Spirit was it was really really awesome time. But what should the church? What should we be doing when Jesus comes back? Because He is coming back. I believe the church should be full of power, should be full of the Holy Spirit. So despite what happens around us, how evil the world may become or, or how, how much opposition the church gets, it still should be progressing and moving forward right until the moment when Jesus comes back for his people. Now, I've mentioned some things, so if you're new to church, you might be thinking, I don't even know what he's talking about. But there, there's certain words that we use when we're thinking about these, these, uh, uh, the climax of history uh, as God brings everything to an end. Uh, there's a word called the rapture. So if you want to understand what that is, it's the removing of the church from the world um, as God completes this age. And what we, we know, if you listen to last week's message, is Jesus is going to come back in the clouds and take the church away. So that's an awesome thing. It has a mystery about it. It, it doesn't make sense rationally. And that, that's the thing, I, I think when we, we try to rationalise spiritual things that make sense to us naturally or physically, it never makes sense. I think the amazing thing is, is um, we, we see the description of how God created the world. It says but, you know, the, the, the world was formless and, and void, there was nothing there and God spoke and created everything. And what I find is, is totally amazing is scientists try and work out how we got here and how it all came from. And they, they say things like everything we know, the whole universe, and, and it's expanding, it's so massive, and, and it's just incredibly huge. And, and, and they say that from their, well, I don't know how they get this, but they say everything started from, from, from something as, as tiny as, as the size of about a grape. And there's a big explosion and, it just, and everything came out of that. They need a, a huge compressor to get us all into that little thing. But you know what? That, that just tells me that they've got no idea how we got here. So I'd rather trust what God says. There's a mystery about everything. But one thing I need you to understand is Jesus will take the church out of this world. Matthew 24, verse 30 and 31. In the New Living Translation, it says... And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Now, that sign is a mystery. I'm not sure what that sign is going to be, but it says, at last, there will be a sign the Son of Man is coming, uh, and he will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Why will there be deep mourning when Jesus comes back? Because people will be saying no. We don't want God. We don't want Jesus. We're rejecting the Saviour. That's why there'll be deep mourning. Uh, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And you know, you've always heard that, that um, explanation about the last trumpet sound. will be gathered up to heaven. And they'll gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now, this is a picture of what the rapture is all about. Jesus taking out the church from all over the world for a reunion with God. Not only just those of us who are still living, but it says all the dead, the saints who have died from every generation will be raised to life and they'll all be in this, in this uh, reunion with God. It, and it, it brings together believers of every generation, those who, are, who have died and those who are still living 
to, to be raptured, as it says, taken up to be with God. Now Paul describes it as well, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15 to 17. He says, We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Again, same description happening here. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. And we need to understand that when we are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is not a finality to our life when we die. I know I've heard many times people say, well, when you die, that's it. You're finished. It's gone. We, we, our body, our physical is gone, but we have a spiritual that is resurrected with Christ. And so when someone dies in a spiritual, uh, in, a, in a Christian sense, we don't have that sense of loss for eternity. We have a sense of separation and loss for a time until Jesus brings us all together again. That's the hope we have as believers. So again, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And when we look at both of these scriptures, um, the, 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 the way in which they line up with each other uh, is, is incredible and, and um, not a coincidence. And what we've got to realize is Paul didn't have access to the book of Matthew when he wrote his, his description of this time. So we think, oh, we've got it all here in this nice little manual, but they didn't have that. They were relying on the, on the Holy Spirit to direct what they, were, what they knew. So the thing I want to take out of this, though, personally, is Jesus is coming to get us. You know, we always like to have like, like a personal valet service or, or, the, or, the, or someone who opens a door for us that, that, that we get the VIP treatment. Who likes that? Say, so, well, I'm, I'm the special person. I've got, I've got um, you know, people who are going to make the way for me. You know what we need to realize when we think of this moment in history is Jesus comes and he calls your name. Now, I've said this many times, but I know when I was doing my apprenticeship, you always get the worst jobs. You're always getting, you know, getting the hard job, doing it the hard way, and, and, and people saying, oh, you can do it like this. And I'd always be thinking while I'm down in that trench or in the mud thinking, Jesus, right now would be just, just about the right time. <laughs> and I'm hoping they come to find me and they just find a hard hat and a pair of boots. Where's he gone? <laughs> I'd be just floating in the clouds saying, ta-ta. <laughs> if, if you want a little bit more research on that, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 10, uh, John chapter 11, verse 24 uh, Martha, we all knock Martha because she was the one who, who was all agitated when Jesus was in her house and she's, she's busy cooking dinner because Jesus is in her house. You know, I'll just give you a tip. If Jesus comes to your house, don't worry about the cooking. Just talk to him. So she's busy. We know this story and we, we often, we often uh, um, you know, put her down because she was the one busy when she should have been with her sister Mary at Jesus' feet that day. But uh, a time came when her, when her brother died and Jesus says, well, he's going to be resurrected and she makes mention to this resurrection day. So, so these things all, all mesh together. We have, we have this uh, um, uh, thing called the rapture where God takes the living 
and we also have a resurrection for those who are dead already and they're going to be raised up and we all come together in, in one glorious moment. And Martha describes that. You can look that up yourself. So there is a lot that we don't know about this day. But we do know it will come unexpectedly when everything seems normal just like any other day. It's going to be business as usual. If we can learn anything from Jewish history, they were a people, they were a nation who were waiting for their saviour, waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah was like the, 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 the master, the one who was going to teach them uh, uh, all, the, all the ways of God and bring clarity to everything. And they were waiting for generations for him to come. But in fact, when he came, because they wanted the, they were waiting for the kingdom of David to be reestablished, for, for the glory of Israel to be restored, for the fortunes of Israel to, to, to uh, come back to them. And I don't know what they were thinking. I think they wanted a, an army commander, a, a great king, a, a statesman or something. But when Jesus came then, they weren't expecting him the way he was. And so they didn't believe who he was. And they didn't believe in him. And there is a lesson in that for the church in our days. That we need to be attuned to the Holy Spirit and waiting and expecting so that we're ready when Jesus returns. And we don't miss him like the people of Israel did. Matthew 24 verse 42 says, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. The point here, Jesus, the point that Jesus makes is that we need to be reminded to live ready for the need to live ready for the day when Jesus comes back. We need to be ready all the time. Our vision statement, you think, how do I sew that into an end times message? I can't put it in anywhere. Our vision statement at One Heart Church is to be a large relevant church of mature believers who love our community. So understanding the times in which we live and living and behaving accordingly is showing maturity in our faith. And that's what we want to be aiming towards, that we're all growing into a, a mature state, not staying immature in our faith. So we don't have the luxury of, when we think about maturing in our faith and being ready for Jesus, we don't live with the luxury of harboring ungodly attitudes and behaviours. So um, we have the Holy Spirit that is promised to keep us and to work through us till the end. And so we ought to know the day is coming and be ready for it. So there's things that we need to shake off, shake out of our experience, things that we need to, uh, we need to uh, be free of. Sometimes they're personal insecurities. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it could be a level of, of uh, um, uh, childish behavior that we have. And I said to the people at the prayer time this morning that, that uh, the longer we've been in church, the, the, the more we are prone to babyish and childish behaviors. And so we need to constantly be aware that our journey should cause us to want to grow up and to mature in the things of God. So I'm going to get to the fun bit now. The mark of the beast. Who's excited? So I don't, I, you know, it's something that we don't, I don't think it's really something we have to major on. 
my disclaimer is be cautious of dogmatic interpretations. So sometimes talking about end time things, people can have a very dogmatic approach and say, well, um, the, the, the mark of the beast is a mark that, that I'll ex explain in a minute. But uh, talking about the, the beast is, is like a, uh, a single world government authority that will rule the world and there's people running around saying it's this and it's that. We, we really won't be sure until it's on us, I believe. And the other thing we need to also realise uh, uh, about this system that's described in the Bible is I don't know whether it will be so obvious and so, uh, um, so out there. I think it will come in stealthily and come in quite uh, um, uh, steadily that we, we won't really realise it until we're living in it. Um, so I don't, I don't really believe it's going to be a, a, a big a dramatic rise and it will suddenly go, wow, that's, the, that's the, the beast that was talked about in the Bible. So who's ever heard of the beast, by the way? Who thinks it's a ox or something? That's what I always think about. So these are my own perspectives and we need to be cautious of dogmatic interpretations. So I'm not saying that this is the, the be-all and end-all, but there's something, I guess, uh, as I've thought about it and as I've looked into it, that this is what I think um, is, is what it's about. So the beast, as we, we've, I've introduced to you, is a satanic world order or leader or government whose purpose is to dominate the earth and demand total allegiance to its power. But it's opposite to God, has, has no interest in God at all. Otherwise known as the Antichrist. So Revelation 13 verse 11, it says, The beast came up out of the earth with two horns and the voice of a dragon. I think, okay, that's a great lot of uh, explanation there. So I'll give you some keys about uh, what this is all about. It says, out of the earth. So I, I interpret that as a humanistic earthly in origin, uh, but definitely not from God. So it's something that hasn't ha doesn't have any godly uh, birthing whatsoever. So it's something that's come from this world, not from God. It has two horns. So what's that all about? It has a combination of power, both political and spiritual, that comes from a demonic base. So these are things that we just can interpret from, from what we've just seen. The voice of a dragon. That, to me, speaks of a, it's satanic in its origin and intention, is to speak uh, and control and dominate people with uh, the devil's um, agenda. So does that make sense so far on that? Okay, if we look at Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17. It says the beast required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So there are a couple of things that we need to understand about this. Who remembers when the bank card came out in the 1970s? Everyone said, that's it, the start, that's the mark of the beast. So don't get a credit card, don't get a bank card. Why we laugh at that? That was the foundations of creating a, a monetary system where everything could be easily controlled from an outside source. And we see more and more today 
that uh, what we thought, would, yeah, how would they ever do this? Uh, more and more today we see the, uh, um, the monetary system being more and more controlled by external forces. So that we know now if, if uh, uh, we have a, a problem with, the, with um, uh, electronic banking, nearly everything would stop. And it's one of those ways that this could be implemented. So there are a couple of things we need to understand about this mark. Uh, it is a form of currency that will be used to control the world. It represents a system of government totally opposed to Christ. Everyone who accepts the mark and the system reject God as Lord or Jesus as Lord. So we need to be clear of those things. So some people might say, well, we're not really clear on this, but what we do need to, to understand is what Jesus said about this time. So the Bible is clear as to the consequences of, to those who take the mark and reject Jesus. Now, this is not only about a currency. It's, it's also a humanistic counter-religious system that hates Jesus and distorts truth. And we see that in operation today. So if we want to go a little bit deeper, there's a chronology that we see in Revelation 14, verses 6 to 13. It begins with an angel carrying the good news to the world. If you, if you go home, you can study it yourself. Revelation chapter 14. So it begins, there's an angel carrying the good news to the world. It says to every nation, tribe and language and people, the message is given of God's grace, love and favor to everyone. Talks about this, there's, there's a time where this angel is sent out to the world to bring the good news. Now this time frame, and, and we get all confused about time frames and wh when's all this happening? That time frame began when Jesus commissioned the disciples to go into all the world and make disciples and, and to baptize them and, and, uh, um, and any, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. When Jesus left his disciples with that, we find that in Matthew 28, um, Mark 16 and um, Luke chapter 24. So when Jesus commissioned the disciples to go into all the world and, and bring the good news that mankind can be saved from their sin through Jesus, that time frame started then. So that's at least 2,000 years ago. So when we see time, you know, times in the Bible, we think oh, it all suddenly happened in the last minute. But God has spent the last 2,000 years telling the world about Jesus. Next, next thing in verse 8 of, uh, of Revelation 14, it says, Another angel declared that Babylon has fallen. You know, that Babylon represents Satan's rule, represents his control over things. And, and this second angel says that Satan's rule is broken. And the way that Satan's rule is broken in our personal lives is through our faith and our believing in Jesus Christ to take away our sin and to wash us clean. Verse 9 talks about a third angel who goes out declaring God's judgment on those who reject Jesus. And it says, Anyone who worships the beast or who accepts his mark on their forehead or hand will be judged by God. It represents an act of rejection towards Jesus and his good news 
so that they put themselves in a place of permanent separation from God. uh, Revelation chapter 16, verse 2. There's more about the judgment on those who take the mark. So I don't know what that mark physically is going to look like. These days we have all these these various technologies. There's places these days that that are already implementing systems that you you could interpret as, um, as the mark. But what I do know is it, is it will be something that people have to voluntarily and physically take onto their body that, that will be, you know, you can't buy or sell anything, you won't be able to do business, you won't be able to be employed, you won't be able to enter buildings unless you have this, this mark on your body. But we need to be sure of our salvation and, the, and we need to trust God above all these other things that are happening. Because God has always reached out to people. Numbers 14 verse 18 says, The Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. But he does not excuse the guilty. You think, well, what am I supposed to do? We lay ourselves at the mercy of Jesus' blood, who washes us clean of all our guilt, all our shame, everything that we've ever done when we bring it back to Jesus. He is able. It says that God's not, God is slow to anger. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. I think I've got that one here. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. We're talking about this, this rapture day, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. So let's remember the free gift. The free gift that God has is Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. Our wrongs are pardoned by the blood shed for us, by the blood shed for you. His death and resurrection is our promise that we can be saved, that we are saved when we believe. You can accept Jesus as as your saviour here today. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and live in in a a, a prophetic sense. That's what the world needs of the church in these days, to be a prophetic voice, a signpost for God. And perhaps we can ask God to to fill us today for his power to work through us as a church. Why don't we just stand to our feet this morning and uh, I'm just going to, pray because I know that um, while I guess this morning hasn't brought a great deal of uh, precise explanations of, of what some of these things mean, what we need to be sure of is that we as, as believers can trust the word of God and so we, we might think well there's, there's confusion about what does this mark look like you know we need to be wise and sensible in, in, uh, in the future and, and, ask, and I believe people who are filled with the Holy Spirit will know the difference between what this mark is and what it is not. I think next week I'm going to talk on the tribulation and what, what all that means. It's just another aspect of end, end days prophecy. So we've got a lot to 
uh, a lot to understand still. But why don't we just raise our hands to heaven right now? Because the most important thing isn't, well, let's, let's run around trying to figure out who the beast is. The most important thing isn't trying to figure out what, what the mark of the beast is going to be. Well, the most important thing for us as a church is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to live in the power of the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what the, the world is looking for today is for people who know the Lord, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and have a freedom to, to worship God because it's uh, uh, pouring out of them through the Holy Spirit. So why don't we just pray, uh, I mean, um, uh, sing. And as we do, uh, I know God's going to do something in people. And if you feel that you want to be uh, uh, filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning, I'm going to invite you to come down. I'd love to pray, lay hands, on, lay hands upon you and believe that you'll be filled with the Spirit as, as it uh, describes in Acts chapter 2. So um, let's, let's just let the Holy Spirit do something special here among us this morning and uh, receive something supernatural and something amazing as a church this morning so thank you morning of people who really not much related to what i spoke about but there's a story in ezekiel of a valley of dry bones and god asks ezekiel he says can these bones live and, he, and, and ezekiel tries to play it safe and he says lord only you know there's also another story in the bible from the book of nehemiah where the walls of jerusalem which represent the, 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 the security of the city represent the security of our life or the boundaries of our, of our personal life. And it says the walls of the city were broken down and they were burned. And, and it was Nehemiah's call of God was to go back to that city and rebuild the walls. But the only material that was there was burnt and broken rocks. Things that you think, well, it's, it's really just rubble. What can we ever do with this? And this morning, the Holy Spirit's really just showing me right now that there's, there's people here today and, and you feeling like, well, my life is wasted. I feel like you know, my chances have passed me by. I, I feel like I'm, I'm uh, one of those bones in that valley. Could I ever live again? Could I ever be restored to the place of, uh, of, of serving God or being where He wants me to be? Perhaps you're feeling like, you know, my boundaries in my life were knocked down. My boundaries were, 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 were um, crumbled away and burnt. And I think, God, and you're thinking, God, what could you ever do with me? What could you ever do with my life? And I know there's many people here this morning and you're feeling like this because um, that's exactly how life turns out sometimes and the devil wants to say well you know you can never rebuild you could never live could those bones ever live ezekiel said lord only you know and i want to tell you today the lord says yes they can yes they can live again yes they can so just reach your hands to heaven right now this morning right across this place dear heavenly father we just pray today despite circumstances our mistakes maybe our fears our phobias or other things that that have caused us to find our, ourselves in that place with broken down walls or or like dry bones in a desert i just pray today and prophesy life back into people's today into people's lives today i prophesy faith again i prophesy blessing again I prophesy 
those bones to come together. I prophesy those walls to be rebuilt. I prophesy today over One Heart Church that things that have separated people will be will be uh, dealt with. I pray that things that have caused people to live uh, without your goodness will be taken away today. I pray for a restoration in the church, Lord God, this morning so that we as a people may be ready and fulfilling the end times purpose of the church to be your voice, your signpost to the world. So I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's sing that again. Thanks, Kimberly. All I want is to live within your love, be undone by who you are. My